0: a brand new episode of Colorful Lies presented by State Farm... If this is your first time tuning in, thanks for joining us. I'm Angela Yee, and with me, as always, is the beloved Money Team. Hey y'all! Yeah. I'm Ina So, and Millennial Money Expert Tanya Rapley of My Fab Finance. Hello, guys. y'all. I'm sad. This is our last episode of the season. <sighs> it blew. It blew Somebody so put on fast. some boys
1: to men. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to do my Jodeci cry <laughs> for you? Um, well, we're doing our last accountability check-in mm-hmm. for well, our last accountability check-in with the podcast. I know we're gonna. keep doing it with each other so I'm not worried. Let's start with you, Angela. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, one of the main things that I really learned from this season was that I have to get life insurance. So, fortunately, I've handled that. Thank you, State Farm. It was very eye opening, all the discussions that we had about the different insurances and different options that we have when it comes to having your money work for you. So, that was great for me. And, um, you know, book deal, like we've been discussing, yes. I've been so inspired from you, Amina, and from you, Tanya, just to get my book deal finally done. I mean, ever since I I was in kindergarten, I knew I was going to be a writer. So, yeah, you know,
1: that's so exciting. a thousand years
0: later, it's probably time to get started. I can't wait to read I it. I can't
1: wait. It's going to be awesome. And you encourage so many people to read books by running the book club mm-hmm. and all yeah, of the your stuff. Book club. You know, you're, a good, you're a good literary citizen. So when you have a book out, we are going to do the same thing for you. Absolutely. Ah, okay, y'all going to be in my
0: tell-all. No, I'm kidding. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to tell them how awesome we are. I mean. She's going to be like,
1: these girls, every week, talking about money. Broke AF. Uh, no, are <laughs>
2: awesome. We are
1: awesome. Um, Tanya Rapley, a millennial money expert. Yeah. Tell so, me. yeah.
2: Um, well, my goal was to get the will done. And so me and my husband, we are protected. We do have a will and living will and testament. And um, so, you know, that's covered for when baby J arrives and everything. And just be fab finance. Yeah. Like we're just, we're, we're it's good to feel covered. Um, And then, you know, continuing to pay off my debt. Since we've done this podcast, I know I paid off at least like $10,000 worth of debt that I had Um, so that's been great and we've you know this is episode eight Eight. and so yeah um, just really being encouraged by you guys to aggressively eliminate that because you know we had a hiccup with the house and hopefully next season I have an update on the house um, and we'll be getting ready to move into our property um, then now that we know how to properly file our taxes too
1: yes we (laughs) are all getting ready to move into your property so you tell me where my room is I'm glad (laughs) I have a (laughs) place to stay
2: (laughs) So yeah, no, this has been really great and it's been wonderful sharing um, and having the entire Colorful Lives community hold me accountable as well because I wasn't about to fail in front of y'all, so.
1: All right, and Amina? Amina. Well, um... You're right. Having to do this podcast for all summer has made me so self-aware of the things that I set out to do.
0: I love and it. I love that we were running. And doing- I know. Listen,
1: I like uh, when we started this podcast, I did not even own running shoes and now I own running shoes and I have gone running and more than running. once. Yes. So uh, that's exciting. I got pre-approved for a home loan so I know exactly Yay. how much house I can buy. Yes. And the thing about doing that process that was good, you actually, the both of you had the best advice because remember how i was like i'm not ready my house for years so i don't want to do it but now that i've gone through this process i actually answered a lot of questions that i had mm-hmm. and i was like oh like what you, like how much house can i afford where do i actually want to buy how do you get into that mentality of looking at different kinds of places mm-hmm. and um you know and it also means that like once i actually do buy a home i'm not gonna be starting from scratch i yeah. already know this stuff so it just it felt great to like to start and then say this is not for me right now, but I know exactly what I want to do. I know how much home I can afford. And I know the places kind of in my finances that I want to bolster up. Like I didn't realize how expensive closing costs were. Yes. Yeah. And so in my mind, Girl, everything you know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't know that. And I was like, I'm saving for a deposit, but I was not no, saving gotta, for closing costs. For those. You're I had to so exactly borrow
0: money from my dad for my closing costs because yeah. I spent blue. Yeah, it all. but like now it's I but overlooked. now I know that, right?
1: And so I was like, okay, like that's that's a thing that can happen. And I also know that I probably want to buy a, like an investment property or a vacation home. Mm-hmm. And so that I just have so much less anxiety about it. And also like writing the book has been like it's hard, but it's going well. Yeah. So this time next year when we check in, uh, it'll probably a manuscript will probably be submitted. Really? Yes. So it feels good. i um, getting ready for your book launch party. Ooh, uh, at your wait. house.
0: Because <laughs> you're going to be in the book club, right? And um, yeah, and of course. Yes. Are you kidding me? I'm, um, I'm inviting
1: virus. myself to your book club. Hello.
0: <laughs> um, so,
1: yeah, you know, it just it feels good to like actually set out to do goals, to, to stumble along the way. Right. Because everything that we said we wanted to do did not work out in the ways that we mm-hmm. wanted it to work out. Well, we did the work. We know better. And more importantly, we have a support system to yeah. help us figure it out. So we hope that everybody who is listening, who's like setting those goals with the people that are in your lives that you can take an example out of this and that it encourages you to keep going.
2: Yes, and if you guys have been following along and you know you have your own goals, you've been tracking your own progress, we love to see what you're up to, so make sure you update us and use the hashtag live colorful. That's colorful with two L's.
0: Well, by now you know the drill, your money problems are our money problems. Mm, are you sure? <laughs> uh, does that um, mean that your no. money is my money too? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, seriously because we've been yeah, I'm just, no, just no, definitely, kidding. Definitely. I'm just kidding. And we're, we're still Still works in progress as well, clearly. So we've been checking social media, our Colorful Lives inbox, and the Colorful Lifeline. So we can offer guidance and perspective in the areas that you want it most. Now it seems like just yesterday we were at Essence, chatting on the empowerment stage and taking Tons and tons of pictures with listeners down in NOLA. But as kids go back to school and summer comes to an end, so sadly does season four of Colorful Lies. But you know we can't leave you empty-handed, so this episode we're going to run through as many questions as possible and try and cover as many money-saving tips and tricks as we can. And later in the episode, we're going to chat with Angela Benton. I love Angela's. The Mm -hmm. CEO and founder of the New Me Accelerator.
2: Yeah, we get a lot of questions around how you can still ball on a budget. So let's keep it real. There's no denying that when you look and feel confident, it helps to improve your entire mindset. I mean, my fab finance, right? <laughs> so what are some ways that you can save when it comes to your beauty regimen, even if you need certain products that come with a high price tag? Um, can you find reviews or recommendations to be sure what you're buying is
1: quality? Listen, you just need to look on the internet. There are duplicates for almost everything. True. A lot of the beauty industry, the thing that you are paying for is marketing and packaging. And packaging. Mm-hmm. You don't need that. There are companies, literally the um the there's a duplicate of a product that I love to use and I found it and it costs $7. And, and when I was paying, yeah, <laughs> we'll talk <about> <laughs> I mean, the thing is that like, if you read the reviews and you know what you want, if you're like, if you know that you want like 2% hyaluronic acid, for example, right. Instead of paying, going to Sephora and paying like $70 for the thing that you want, look it up online. There's so many forums for this stuff. You don't actually have to pay big money for that. I love to buy travel size products. Also, I was gonna say, to test
0: things out. Yeah. or even when you go places, you can get samples. Yeah, I and a lot of times,
2: especially if I'm going like out of town and stuff, I going to Sephora and be like, hey, yep. "Can I get a sample?" You can get samples for everything. Mm-hmm.
1: There are a ton of sales stocking up. If you're, you know, if you're like me and you're a girl that you really, really, really must have some things, put that stuff on your Christmas list. Make your parents and your boo pay for it, and it's a special mm-hmm. occasion for you. But. You know, I, the thing that I always do when I shop online, and this is for beauty, clothes, anything, is that I never check out automatically. I let it sit in the cart too, for yeah. a little bit. I think about it. And then the next day, it's like, if I still need it, I will get it. But I always look for a way to find cheaper. Another good online hack trick, whatever you're buying online, before you check out, just Google the name of the coupon. store plus coupon or yes. discount. Yes, I And it will coupon. always change your, like... You can always find a sale on the internet. So all of this to say, um, you know, and the thing too is that like you should think about, especially in the beauty world, I, so like for our podcast, for example, on Call Your Girlfriend, we don't, we don't even review beauty stuff that often, but people send us so much free stuff. And so if you are really trying to compare yourself with like YouTube people and beauty blog experts, you need to know that these people most of the time are not paying for the stuff that they have. Mm -hmm. They're just getting it in mass. And so you should take all of these recommendations with a grain of salt, really, yeah. because a lot of times they get it case. is it is just yeah, promo. It like if,
2: real life reviews.
1: Totally. And if you are somebody who has an avenue where you make reviews, like whether it's on your Instagram or your Twitter or whatever, you should get in touch with the companies that you like. Just email their PR people and tell them that. Be like, hey, I really like this thing. I would like to review it for my blog or my channel or my that's how you make those relationships. And they will also send it to you. But um, you can look good without having to pay a zillion dollars for something. And also, as you age in your career and you start making more money, the products in your your bathroom can also start reflecting that. So, like, start small. You don't need to keep up with anybody. And then, you know, like, get it together.
0: And expensive doesn't always mean better, too. There's a lot of products Mm -hmm. that I absolutely love that work very well for me. Like, I do use Witch Hazel, and mm-hmm. that's a really inexpensive yeah. product that you can use. And I also sometimes love to just use, like, baby lotion or cocoa butter or things yeah. that are inexpensive. And just because something costs more doesn't mean it works it's better. It's better, yeah. And products that
2: have multiple uses, right? Because, like, yes. coconut oil is, like, the magic. Yeah. It's, like, the magic concoction. You know, coconut oil can do so much you can use on your hair. You can use it on your skin. You can use it to cook. Mm-hmm. And so finding products that serve multiple functions. Also being sanitary with the dough. Like, don't be putting your hands in a coconut oil jar and then, like, like, you know, spooning it out and cooking yeah, dinner with it. Yeah. You know, like, I need you to be sanitary with it too. But products that do serve multiple purposes are another way to cut down on cost and
0: space. Like hemorrhoid cream for your hemorrhoids but also for under, the bags also, under your eyes. The
1: bags under your eyes. Real. I didn't know Real. you could use it for oh, that. Oh, yeah. Ooh look at me learning something i did not know that today we're talking to angela benton the founder and ceo of new me accelerator she's been called one of the most influential women in tech by fast company and has been included in ebony's annual power 150 list for multiple years in a row go on angela benton Mm -hmm. uh she's also the youngest honoree ever at the minority media and telecommunications council hall of fame hi angela thank you for joining us Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the Me Accelerator and what it's doing? And I really want you to, you know, maybe expand on what the basic terms of an accelerator are for the people who don't know. Sure, absolutely. So an accelerator is basically
3: a boot camp for startups or people who have ideas. So the whole premise, most people are, are familiar with Accelerators, when I I'm, I'm sorry, incubators, when ideas are incubated, maybe at universities or um, other entities. That's usually a slower, longer process. An accelerator is kind of the opposite. The goal is to go into a program and accelerate your business to go faster, to to go to the next level faster. So that's generally what an accelerator is. New Me started in 2011. And we were the first accelerator for minorities, people of color. And um, we mainly work with technology or technology-enabled businesses. And so a lot of what we do is help people refine um, and conceptualize their businesses, but then also we connect them with investors. That's the, the key um, point. And in, in all of this is you're going to need capital at some point to go to the next level. And so um, especially in the tech industry, there's not a lot of people of color. So we're kind of, you know, on on the outside of those networks where there's a lot of capital flowing through them. So My job at The Accelerator is, one, to help the entrepreneurs, and then two, to have a healthy investor network so I can make connections at the right time. Um, And since we launched, we've helped people of color raise a little over $43 million so far. Wow, amazing. That's
0: amazing. Thank you. Angela, can you tell us about the path that took you to Silicon Valley and your personal money journey? Sure. So, wow. So I started out actually
3: as a graphic designer and um, I was laying out magazines and this was around kind of the dot com boom or or um, bust, depending on how you look at it. But there was a lot of activity going on during this time and I didn't know how to code, but I saw that there was a lot of money to be made and I wanted to freelance and get other jobs on the side. So I ended up teaching myself how to code and I started to build websites. And from there um, I was able to basically include the websites that I designed in my portfolio and get other jobs in technology. And so from there I worked at a lot of different tech companies. Um, some of them, which are owned by uh, a company called IAC, it's a publicly trading traded company. They are essentially a conglomerate of a lot of different internet companies, like you know the Ask.com when that was out, Expedia, um, all of your probably most visited websites. They they own them, and so I worked in um, for some of their companies, but then also they had a business unit called the Emerging Businesses Unit. And that was basically like a corporate incubator or accelerator. And I ended up getting a job at um, a company they were incubating at the time. It was called Rushmore Drive. And um, the idea was that it was going to be a search engine for African-Americans. So the idea was that if you're searching for... Whitney and you're based in Atlanta, you might be searching for Whitney Houston versus the Whitney Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, you know, we were very well funded. It did not take off, but I was actually running a, another company at the same time called Black Web 2.0. And that was really the first kind of platform that uh, connected african-americans in tech and essentially it was a blog we wrote a lot about you know different tech news but there wasn't a lot of tech news at the time especially around african Americans. so a lot of times we had to make the news like it was actual (laughs) reporting that we were doing and you know finding out different stuff and um research and from there i launched new me and I, I did that business for I think about five, maybe six years, and then it kind of tail dubbed into new me. So. It it was it was my career journey wasn't really anything that was, I don't think, strategic. I didn't wake up one day and say, I want to be this. Right. But, you know, if you just kind of follow your your intuition, I think you kind of end up where you're supposed to be in life.
2: Absolutely. And speaking of your journey, you became a parent at a young age. And, you know, a lot of folks Mm -hmm. say that you have to choose between having a family and having a career. But do you have a secret to balancing your personal and professional life without one neglecting the other?
3: Okay. So <laughs> this is a big question because everybody wants, you know, work-life balance. People mm-hmm. want to live their best life. It's a lot of people on the internet living their best life right now, but <laughs> <laughs> living, but not living. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> exactly. So, you know, my whole thing is I just, I don't know if it's possible to have it all at the same time. Mm. You know what I mean? And my life has never been set up that way. So yeah, I had my oldest daughter when I was 16. And it was a lot of hard work. And I had a lot of sacrifices, you know, that I had to make during that time and also self discovery. But I didn't do a lot of the stuff that people were doing in college at the time. You know what I mean? I I had a family, I had a daughter I had to take care of, I got married, um, you know, really young. And so um, I wasn't really living my best life then, but I was definitely putting, you know, in, in the work. And um, now it's kind of flip flop where I'm able to have more flexibility to live the kind of life that I want, but that's only because I put the work in earlier. So I think sometimes people are afraid of work, um, but you know you need it. And, and a lot of times people think taking the easy road out is being an entrepreneur, but it's it's you you're actually working more.
1: Yeah, <laughs> to be oh yeah. honest.
3: Yeah, definitely.
1: Can you speak a lot. We talk a lot about this show about the importance of generational wealth. What is mm-hmm. the financial wisdom that you want to impart on your own kids?
3: Wow. Um there there's this meme going around on the internet where it says you need seven streams of income. Mm-hmm. Um, but people people don't realize you got to master one. Very first. true. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I don't want to oh, be a gambler Can you nine. can you
1: say that louder for the people in the <laughs> yes. back? Yes.
3: I mean, people really—they're doing a lot of different stuff. They're mm-hmm. investing here. They—they they have a business here. They're doing something out there, and you gotta really focus on one thing and generate your wealth in that one area, and then start to diversify. Right. It's a small detail, but but it's it's really key. And so, you know, for me, I, and. Also, by the way, you know, most of the people who start accelerators, they're they're independently wealthy. You know, they worked at startups before or they, you know, invested in in companies and got a return. And when I started new me, I wasn't I wasn't that. And I had to hustle and we raised money from a lot of different corporations through sponsorship so that we could fund the accelerator. But then from there, I took equity stakes in the companies. And a couple of the companies, even, you know, that I was working with in 2012 are just now starting to see a lot of success where I have liquidity. You you, know what I mean? Can you name some of the companies that have come out of the new me accelerator? Sure. Um, There is uh, one called Kairos. It's a facial recognition company. Mm -hmm. Um, AI, artificial intelligence is really, really popular right now. They're more of an enterprise company, so Mm -hmm. they're not going to be a company that's recognized by you know, the the average Joe. Yeah, not consumer-facing, but...
0: Exactly. Effective nonetheless and profitable nonetheless. <laughs> exactly. Now, Angela, let's get to the nitty-gritty because I know our listeners want to know this. As the <laughs> CEO of a tech accelerator, you have to constantly get pitched and help people refine their pitches. Now, do you have some tips for all of our people with startups out there who want to shoot their shot, but they don't want to fall on their face?
3: Yes, absolutely. Okay, so my first tip is... Pitching is basically storytelling. Mm -hmm. And so you have to tell a compelling story, keep that in mind, but your story has to be concise and succinct enough to get somebody's attention where they want to ask you more. So when you're working on your pitch um, or even a one-liner, let's say you're at a networking event and someone asks you, oh, what do you do? You should have a one-liner that you start out with first. Your one-liner is one sentence, not two sentences, not three, one sentence. And the goal of the one-liner should be to make the person compelled to ask you, oh, really? So how do you do that? Tell me more about that. Now, once that happens, you can kind of go to step two, which is your actual pitch, the format that all of my companies use that we we've been working with them. And um, this is the process that we've used to help them raise over $43 million is it starts out with a two minute pitch and it hits all the high points. What problem are you solving? What's the solution? What's the market size? Who's your competition? How do you make money? Right. Mm -hmm. And the team behind it. Um, If you're working uh, on this in slide deck format, don't send a business plan to anyone. Don't send a deck that's 20 pages. Investors want to see the high level of your business. That is what you're selling them. The idea is that you sell enough to get a formal meeting with them, and then you can talk about your business, and they can see how intelligent you are um, and, and you know how much you know about your business. Um, I would say the other thing is be mindful of how much you are asking an investor and also sometimes your pitch is not necessarily for an investor it might be for a co-founder or a partner but if it is for an investor um you have to really know exactly how much you want to raise and a lot of people might um hear this and say okay i don't need to ask for too much money but the thing is if you ask for too little money Mm -hmm. seem not credible right it seems like she or he is not really going to be able to accomplish this with $50,000. So in cases like that, you're either talking to the wrong investor or you have the wrong amount. And all of the companies that I work with in the accelerator, I have them ask for at least a million dollars at the end. And part of that is because if you are really trying to run a tech company, that is bare minimum how much you're going to need to hire a real team and to grow your business. But two We as black people need to get comfortable with asking that level asking for that level Mm. of funding. And it's very, very uncomfortable
1: for us. Better have mom. I you know, I'm gonna practice asking for billions in front front (laughs) of the mirror now. Angela, thank you so much for taking the time uh to chat with us today. Can you tell our listeners where they can connect with you online?
3: Sure. If you want to find out about New Me, you can visit our website www. newnememealltogether. in not. Dot com. and people can also follow me, DM me on Instagram at a benton. Wonderful. I hope you all took notes because Angela was dropping gems if you're interested in getting into the
0: tech space. And that's right. And then when you hit her up, you can say, I heard you on the on <laughs> Colorful Combo Lies podcast. Yes. yes. Let me know. Hook I might me have up. some discount codes or something. For you guys. <laughs> Let
2: her know you did your research and you've been looking into what she's saying. Thank you so much for joining us. Angela, that was so valuable. I feel
0: empowered to really go and ask for that money. (laughs) Ask for your million. I really, it's going to be more than that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Ask for your couple million. (laughs) Thank you so much, Angela. Thank you, guys.
1: Perfect. We have another listener submitted question. Melanie M. from Detroit says, I find that whenever I'm on top of working out, I'm also on top of everything else. But it's so hard to get back into a fitness regimen after I've stopped. And the next thing I know, I'm back to eating late night pizza, falling asleep at all hours and all the hoopla that comes with not taking care of yourself. What are some things that I can do to stop myself from constantly falling off? Man, this is such a good question because I feel like, Angela, this is a thing that you have really encouraged me with um, Mm -hmm. is this just really this idea that like if you can stay on top of your fitness and it's a place that you check into all the time. It, you're relieving stress from other parts of your life, but you're also opening yourself up to creativity and problem solving in that moment. It's like you actually have to walk away from your computer and from work and take time for yourself. So I would say to this person that, you know, you shouldn't think of fitness as a thing that you are doing separate from your life. It's mm-hmm. actually, that Incorporate should Incorporate that. You're mm-hmm. right. It's incorporated and it's like, that's kind of the foundation of what you're doing, like self-care, fitness, wellness- those things are just as important as like showing up to your job every day. And you know, and so, for myself- showing up for your body. Yeah. yeah.
0: And for myself, I will say this because there's a lot of times that I am traveling. I get up for work every morning at four o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I don't get home till like 10 o'clock at night. So clearly like I'm not thinking about working out at 10 o'clock at night. I'm exhausted. And that can go for like the entire week and then I'm traveling. But what's really important is to do things like- When I come to do this podcast, right, I'll walk from my other job. Mm -hmm. And that's like a good, you know, mile and a half that I'll walk because there's little things that you can do that actually contribute. But I also feel like don't not exercise and eat really badly at the same time. Come up with some balance. If you know that you're not going to have time to work out for the next four days, then make a concerted effort to say, okay, well, you know what? I'm not going to be able to work out, but I can at least eat better these Mm -hmm. next couple of days so that it balances itself out. It's great when you can do both, but sometimes if you have to sacrifice something, maybe you're like, okay, I'm going to New Orleans and I know when I go out there, I love to go and eat Mm because they have the best food. So maybe you do that, but you're like, but the balance is I'm going to bring some gym clothes and I'm going to work out while I'm in the hotel so that at least it can balance itself out. So it's just important to make sure that you are aware of what's going on and you're real with yourself. Like I'll go on vacation and say I go away for a week. I know I'm going to work out three times during that week and I give that to myself. I know I'm going to also be doing the most, right, more than what I would normally do if I was home. But as a balance, I'm like, okay, I have to do this. So just set those goals for yourself and understand that you have to balance things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, prevention is like, it's so much easier to prevent something than to treat
0: something. Right, because I just you know? walked in and then I ate five cookies. But you're going to probably you know walk. <laughs> walk back. It's called balance, <laughs> okay? It it's called
1: balance, it Angela.
2: <laughs> and no, I mean, you know, fitness is important. I know before I ended up getting pregnant, like I was very intentional about my fitness journey because I wanted to be in the best shape of my mm-hmm. life possible before we um, started working towards having a baby. And one of the things with my busy traveling schedule is that I had my friend create a regimen for me. And you can find these online. You can download apps where it was something that I could do myself. So mm-hmm. it was a regimen that was based on what my fitness goals were and I could easily go and knock it out myself you know in 25 35 minutes like you don't have to be at the gym or working out for hours right. on end you can literally find workouts that are good for 15 20 minutes get your heart rate going get your blood flowing and go about your day and you so, feel so much better when you do it you do feel better about yourself yeah. like I yeah. worked out yesterday and I felt like superwoman if you, you,
0: know you know do have other... 10 minutes on Instagram you can do 10 minutes in your room working out Facts. Listen,
1: but you know the other thing too that has
0: been so real for me
1: because one I'm like wildly out of shape and also I feel like I can use the excuse of being a cancer survivor for a long time about this is that you realize that you just have to start small Mm -hmm. you know I think that if you throw yourself if you're somebody who's out of shape and then you go you try to go zero to one hundred, of course you're not gonna keep that habit. Mm -hmm. Like it's actually not going to happen. Yeah. You can feel high for a little bit doing it or whatever, but it's not sustainable to your life. If you're not getting any exercise and then you're like, I'm gonna exercise six times a day, as good luck with that. So (laughs) really just, you know, it's like you have to pace yourself. You gotta pace yourself. Mm -hmm. And if the thing is well, I only have two days in this week that I can exercise. You make it fit in your schedule. Like, I am not a morning workout person, mm. and that's the thing that I had to learn the hard way. I was like, every time <laughs> that I was trying... Because I always right. would sleep yeah, in, and yeah, I, I wasn't happy. And I was like, well, if I make time for it at the end of the day, it actually gets done every I'm day a, now. I'm an afternoon because, because workout you know, person. you just you just have to be honest with yourself, and you have to realize that, like, the people who have the fitness level that you want, it didn't also come to them easily. They had to start mm. somewhere. So... All it is is like it's saying that it's like start once a week, starts once a day, build up to where you want to build into. And
0: get yourself a buddy, like a workout buddy that you actually how we do our accountability check ins. Right. Like I would take classes with one of my friends and it would be like, I'm going. You got to come too. Or I'd But like, come on, we're going to go to the park because it's a great way to encourage each other. Even when you don't feel like doing something, when you have somebody that's like, come on, let's go to the park and do a quick jog. You know, you're like, Ugh, mm-hmm. all right. But you feel obligated now because you made an appointment to do something. Absolutely absolutely here is another
1: hot button listener submitted question for you Daniela in chicago asked there's this really amazing woman in my office but she insists on wearing velvet thigh high boots
0: and short skirts nearly all year round i have a i have velvet thigh high boots i just want to throw that out there
1: (laughs) (laughs) and um velvet thigh high boots and short skirts nearly all year round and we work in a corporate office She's really nice and smart, and I don't know how to tell her that her attire is not really office appropriate without sounding judgy. How can I let her know that her office outfits are not kosher? Mm. This one is like touchy for me because yeah, it's one, hard. it's like you, uh, you know, it's like a really easy way to embarrass somebody. I think that if you are this person's boss, it is obviously an easier conversation to yeah, have. Yeah, but if it's a coworker. If they're just your coworker, it's a harder conversation to have. It only becomes my business if it affects the way that we do work, Yeah, it right? your So like, line. if this person is a client facing person, it's okay to say like, hey, like, in this business that we have, this is how we dress. Because God knows, like, I worked in tech offices where all of the boys were wearing hoodies and flip-flops and looking ridiculous. Right. But women. nobody nobody will say that. To, like, the way that a man dresses, even if they dress very badly, is uh, it's treated differently than when a woman is dressed inappropriately. Exactly. So that's something that's also not lost on me. And I don't want to perpetrate those stereotypes when I talk to people about how they're dressing. If it affects the work... Address it. If it's making you uncomfortable, learn how to deal you with. You'd
0: be it. like, "Hey, are those velvet boots hot in the summer? <laughs> like, are you comfortable walking around right. with those all day?"
1: And you know, the, you know the opportunity yeah. also that you get to talk about it is if that person ever comes to you to ask about work advice, right? Is if yeah. they ever say, "Why like, am I not progressing?" Yeah, like why am I not progressing? And that's and that.
2: So that's opportunity to discuss dressing right. for success. And like you know, I have a I, it's it's a delicate dance with the concept of dressing for a success because in one end it's like by the way I dress does not affect my work performance and my ability to do my job, but how does it affect the office culture? How does it affect the office environment? Like, it, So you do have to take that in mind and dressing for success doesn't always mean breaking the bank. I know people who have created a mm-hmm. uniform for themselves or they wear the same thing regularly. I did a challenge two years ago where I did the 8 for 30 challenge and well it was more than two years ago about four years ago where we interchanged the same eight pieces um, throughout over the course of 30 days I love that. and people at my job had no idea like I would wear the same pants back to back you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. they they didn't care about what I was wearing as long as it was presentable. It really
1: shouldn't break the bank when you're you shouldn't. When You're young but I, I will think-
2: let people assume that people care more about what they wear as long as you are not distracting anybody people will let you live so yeah. you don't necessarily and for the And also for black
1: is, women people they're so many um, restrictions on how we should look and how we should dress so figuring out like where you are comfortable at the price point that you're comfortable at is something like that should be real for you I like to do a uniform when I'm in an office I wear the same thing because I don't want to be distracted by it and I don't want to be a distraction to anybody. Else.
0: But the key thing is that she said she's amazing, she's nice, and she's smart. Mm-hmm. And that's really way more important than everything else. Yeah. She's the best dresser in the office. You know, exactly.
2: I'd rather be around a person like that than who's like the best dresser in the yeah. office. Because you know? I also you know? feel like sometimes people jerk. have their
0: own unique sense of style yeah. and what they wear might not be what you would wear. So, you know, just take those things into consideration. And as long, make long sure as she I,
2: ain't going into client meetings with them velvet boots on. I stores. have
0: velvet boots. I don't have it. See <laughs> 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 but my whole thing is that... This though is it something that only you're uncomfortable with right. or you know it's just something that you have to right. dissect within yourself so mm. ask
1: yourself does it affect the work does it affect her performance mm-hmm. is it affecting my performance if the answers to all of those things are no then go keep it cute and move and worry on worry about your <laughs> worry about your own Ooh, so many questions today.
2: Yeah, Rasa H. from NYC wants to know, my parents always told me to buy used cars because a new car depreciates in value as soon as you drive it off the lot. But I've worked hard the last 10 years and I can now afford a new 3 Series BMW. However, part of me says that maybe I should hold off and wait another year or two to save money and then treat myself what would the Schmoney team do? This
1: third of the Schmoney team has never owned a car and does not drive. So well, I, oh,
0: I so cannot, cannot I will tell you actually, this. Yeah. I lease my cars all the time. Mm-hmm. But that's because I know how much cars depreciate in value and I've done the numbers on it. It depends on like how much you drive. Because I never go above 10,000 miles a year. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going above that, it makes more sense to purchase a car. And I would purchase a used car because it does lose value immediately as soon as you drive off that lot. So I... I think I would treat myself if I had it like that, if I had like, you know, just a surplus of money. But the fact that you're saying you want to save up another year or two means Mm -hmm. that it's probably not a wise investment because it's not an investment for you to make right now. Now, leasing cars to me is easy, easier because the payments are a lot smaller every mm-hmm. single month and the amount that I spend leasing after three years is, you know, probably less than what the car would have depreciated in value anyway. Yeah. So it works for me because I like to get new cars. It's just knowing your own habits. Are you going to keep this car for 10, 15 years? Then it makes sense to buy it but I would still buy it used. It's a better investment. Um. So that's what I would do.
2: Yeah, and I definitely, I we I lease a car now. Me and my husband, we we are leasing a car um, before then we had a car that was paid in full, which was amazing to not have a car payment. But you are the great thing about leasing is that you're not on the hook for those repairs, and most likely that car is not going to need substantial repairs while right. you own it. Because our car that we paid for in full in cash, it was like every couple of months we could bank on something happening with mm-hmm. that car. And we did have it in New York. It is a luxury to have a car in New York because you do have access to public transportation, but public transportation won't take you everywhere. And I'm a get up and go type of person, so like we need, we, I wanted to. Have a car and it fit into our budget, but one of the things that really stuck out to me to uh, out of Rasa's question was like that I need a new three series BMW, and I mean n- new is relative. Like you could buy a used car that is technically a current year model Mm -hmm. you know so it's like do you want what what do you want do you want a new car because of the features do you want a new car to say you have a new car do you want a new car because no one else has ever driven it what is motivating your decision or what is motivating that purchase and is it a necessity to have a new car over a used car
0: yeah i mean the amount that it depreciates as soon as you drive it one mile is just to me personally not worth it
2: i'm gonna i lease i'm gonna let somebody else take that depreciation hit
1: You know, like I don't own a car at all, but I, whenever I think about like the kind of car that I want to have, it is clearly, for me, it is clearly a status symbol. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I think about it in the same way that I want to buy anything that is nice. I was like, can I save for it? And can I afford it? That is the justification for it. Right. So it's like, if you know that you want to buy a BMW, save towards buying a BMW, however long it takes you, that's what it's going to take you. And in the meantime, if there are micro changes that you can make to your lifestyle, to adjust mm-hmm. for that that's then that's you know that's what you can do adjust like, everywhere else right it's yeah. like where where else can you cut like can you cut your cable can you cut Um, can you take public transportation can you whatever can you cut down on living
2: expenses or your rent and so forth exactly for You before know what I mean. that expense and I
1: think that like thinking about like micro changes to lifestyle is so 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 important yeah and, cars
0: can be such a big expense when it comes to making sure you have your insurance in case you get in an accident gas, or yeah, getting gas, tickets, gas parking,
1: parking tickets. oh yeah I can't even imagine the of like finding parking in New York you know and it's not like take, public transportation in New York is also very expensive yeah it's if you're, not to it's, it's in the country. see I
0: live in Brooklyn so my parking isn't too bad and then yeah. at my job the thing is I get to work in the morning it's still dark out so I'm not taking public transportation yeah. at 5 in the morning so I drive to work every single morning and so yeah. and you know my job pays for my parking so it actually helps me a lot Mm-hmm. Um, and right. I couldn't imagine not having a car because then I would have to, like, take a...
1: Totally, you know, right? So yeah. I think that thinking about it as, like, how does it fit into your lifestyle? How can you afford it? And what are the other changes that you have to make in, in order, order to, to make, make it, it work? Yeah. Is, um, you know, because I, like, I rely on car services quite a lot, and when I add it all up, I was like, for me, this is still cheaper than paying a car note, and uh, paying for parking. Yeah. So that's the way that I justify my like car share riding addiction.
0: <laughs> All right. So our last listener submitted question comes from Greer in Minnesota. I've done a few career pivots in my life and I often find I X myself out of situations because of self-defeating tactics. Like assuming people don't like me, etc. I really want to change but all the Googling in the world doesn't seem to make any difference. What are some impactful ways I can help start to change this really unhealthy way of thinking? Mm, that's really hard.
2: I mean, no, It's not really hard, but it's really hard on yourself because your mindset is so important and it kind of dictates your life experience. Like if you expect negative outcomes, if you expect negative interactions and somehow you kind of attract those or manifest those type mm-hmm. of interactions or you manifest those outcomes for yourself, you're always looking for the negative and you don't see the positive that are happening in your life so I mean one of the things that I would encourage you to do Greer is to um, like flip it when you it's good that you recognize it but the next thing the next step in recognizing it is finding a way to flip it and I always tell people to create maybe a positive affirmation for every negative affirmation or a negative saying they may have for themselves so if you say to yourself I'm not good enough and I'm not qualified to be here then tell yourself I'm good enough to be here I am good enough and I am qualified to be here and that's something that I've had to do in my own career Mm -hmm. where I felt like I wasn't supposed to be where I was and just telling you reminding you that if you're there you're there for a reason if you have opportunities those opportunities are in your life for a reason right. and you should maximize those. and it's
0: great to identify it because I realize like for myself I do positive affirmations all throughout the day from mm-hmm. the second I wake up in the morning now I wake up in the morning and instead of saying wow it's 4am I'm so tired I hate this I can't believe I have to get up I say it's 4am I'm excited to get out in the world and uh, go to work because I know something incredible is going to happen today Yes, and that really is just like just that mindset with everything that you do because at the end of the day right if you try to get something it doesn't work out the way that you want then there's another plan for you and it's mm-hmm. not time to give up and say oh my god I'm a loser it's time for you to say okay let me readjust and figure out how can I make this happen I'm all about finding solutions so right. you just have to find that solution and find out what it is that you have to do uh, to make your life happen the way that you want it to and don't be self defeatist there's a lot of people that I'm around that are like that that mm-hmm. have a negative view on things and something doesn't work out or they talk themselves out of things Mm -hmm. like this is never gonna work this will never happen don't use the word never yeah,
1: bunch that's one thing. Don't use the word never. Right. Just figure out how can I make this happen. Like I really want to echo the things that you guys are saying too about just language and the way that you talk about yourself. Because here's the deal: if you are not gentle with yourself, nobody's going to be gentle with yeah, you. Yeah, you can't expect mm-hmm. and, and so you can't expect others to be you, gentle yeah, with you. if you're You not really gentle need with to yourself yourself think about them. you need to like you need to look in the mirror every morning and figure out a way to love the person that is there. Because the world is a you know the world is a really really harsh place. And also knowing that. If you have this kind of negative self-talk and you're an entrepreneur, it also like turns a lot of people from working with you because Mm -hmm. a lot of times they're suffering from the exact same self-doubts that you are. Yeah. The fact that you're vocalizing it that way makes it harder on any on everybody. So, you know, like find like talk to your therapist about it. If you have an accountability group, talk to your accountability group about it and tell them like, hi, I'm struggling with the things that I do. And the last thing that I'm going to say is keep a journal, keep a journal of everything that you do, because there are days when I'm like, I haven't accomplished anything. And I felt that way probably the last eight months that, you know, like after sickness where I was like, I didn't do anything. And then mm-hmm. you look at it on paper and it's not true. You're like, wow, it's no, actually yeah. not true. You do a lot. And yeah. so remembering that and quantifying it and qualifying it in a way that is deeply not personal to how you feel about yourself is also a way to, to move with that positive mindset.
2: And I would say two things that have helped me is um, like whenever I'm feeling down or feeling unaccomplished or like I'm you know, not happy with my current successes, it is reading my bio. Like reading my bio <laughs> yeah. or creating no, a bio. That's really like amazing. You were, yeah, you read your bio like, You're yo, like, that was that? me. Mm-hmm. I did that. And if you've never created a bio, I highly encourage you to sit down and just write down all of your accomplishments and write them out. And you will be really amazed at the person that you are. But also surrounding myself with people who are not only successful, but people who are positive yeah. because people who are positive are you know they're they're contagious and they you sometimes just being around them you know you begin to embody those characteristics or those beliefs even if it's only temporary it yeah. takes you out of that negative
1: place and if somebody's and, making you feel yeah. bad in your life get rid of them that yes you don't, they, if you have people who are jealous of you at work that happens all the time in entrepreneurship you don't need those people they're to not know about that's your not your life. tribe they're not, your friend. If they're your not friends, motivators if your friends make you feel bad they're also not your friends if the people that you're dating make you feel bad. Love doesn't have to be hard. Friendship doesn't have to be hard. No, it's and there to make your life with better. And working people doesn't have to be hard either. So, um, you know, be like, talk to, your, talk to your community about it. And we hope that you find, um, that you really find a way to work through it. Yeah, good luck. We're cheering
2: for you. We know it's a
1: journey, but- And we've got all this. been through it, by the yep. way. and Ooh. we still
2: go through it. Right. And so we're not saying this from people, as people who are like, you know, get it together. We're saying, we know you can get it together. We know that you are pro- capable because it's something that we've all dealt with as well.
1: So we save the very best for last for our final accountability check in. Let's go around the room and say all our plans for our financial futures and something that we learn this season.
0: I have one big, 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 big one. <laughs> and I haven't said this out loud yet. But, you know, I always talk about how I hate being uh, well, not in debt, but I hate owing money. Mm-hmm. And I do have this mortgage on my home. And I have decided that I want to pay that off within the next three years. I want to pay off my mortgage within the next that's three amazing. years, which is a huge, huge, huge thing, but I'm putting it out there because that's what I want to do. I mean, I have um, a couple of homes. I have three homes in Detroit that I have no mortgages on. Cause I bought those outright, but what I really want to do is my house in Brooklyn I want to pay that off in three years because I don't like having to pay a mortgage every single month. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, a big goal. No, so that's it. I know it's a goal. huge goal, but I know I can make it happen. Um, I would say that my goal. So
2: I have a business, a professional goal, and a personal goal. Um, personal goal is just to you know have a successful labor and to be a responsible parent and to parent this child. Um, and and facilitate the growth of his child to be the person that they are meant to be and not who I think they should be. So that's really important for me as I enter my mommy journey over the next couple, well, over the rest of my life. <laughs> but as I step into that role over the next year and then my professional goal is I want my business to be a million dollar business. And so really doing the work and putting the people around me so that my fab finance and my related properties are grossing a million dollars annually.
1: Love it. Wow. Um, Amina. Listen, I just want to buy my fab finances.
0: So. You That's know what? We, talk. Right, we talk. can talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. For well, a couple million, you, you achieve your goal and she'll achieve you right. your goal. I,
1: yeah, no, my, um, my financial goal is that I would like to bring in seven figures into all of the multiple income streams that I'm doing because, one, it you know feels like a big round number that, okay. am, that I'm happy about. But also, I think that as I think of like the business of amina inc and what i want to do like doing that will give me the freedom to really to pare down and to build up other things that i want to do the second thing that i want to do which is really i would say like a 10-year plan is that i want to be an angel investor yes and part of doing angel investing is uh you know if you're an accredited angel investor you need to make at least two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year which uh is, you know, it's uh, that's not the challenge, but the challenge is like doing that in a sustainable kind of way. Yeah, especially as entrepreneurs. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really important to me because only 3% of VCs are women, of venture mm-hmm. capitalists are women, and the number for people of color is even lower. And, you know, uh, I spent some time in Silicon Valley. They're literally building the future over there, and it really hurts my heart that there are so few people that look like us mm-hmm. in those rooms. And a lot of times... Those decisions are made at that level, at the investment level, and so really being able to to have a hand in that and to you know and to also invest in businesses that Black women are building would be amazing, Mm -hmm. and really seeing that. So those are my two big scary hairy goals that I have. I love it, but I know I'm gonna get there. Yeah, we got this. It's just a matter of time, and and I feel like I'm learning the tools to do that. Right. It's like when I think about the person who was afraid to. Open the like hundred dollar bill that I had like defaulted on to today to what the future looks like. Uh, the path is set. It's the path right. is set. And always moving there. forward. Always yes. moving forward. So, I'm, I'm, gonna so need all, I'm gonna need all y'all help. So yes, I'm so proud of you, ladies, and I'm so excited for us. One thing that I've learned is that you can always keep learning on your money journey. That there is not a set point that you just like have it all figured out. You know, cuz when I walked into this room, some days I'm like really intimidated because I'm like, wow, these girls know so much more than me. They have so much they have a different kind of money experience. And then I watch you all like go through the stuff, and then sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. but you are also still learning. So that it's encouraging to me and it makes me it makes me feel good and it also means that You know things can always change, and so it's like a bath. You gotta do it every single day. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully, maybe multiple
0: times a (laughs) day, depending on your lifestyle. Just
1: like there's always more information to learn, and there are places that you can get it.
0: Yeah, one thing I learned is that you don't have to know everything and it's okay to be uh, somewhat vulnerable. It's okay to say, okay, I wasn't aware of that. It's okay to ask for help and it's important to do those things. So that's why it's been great with you ladies and even with, you know, everybody that's been supportive on Twitter and, um, just hitting us up with the questions on our email, Mm -hmm. you know, just to hear what people's questions are that sometimes I have those same questions Mm -hmm. and it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to have flaws. It's okay to know that all right, I just wasn't aware of this. This is something I was ignorant to and now I'm learning about it and just take those steps to correct those things and better myself
2: yeah and I would say I learned so much about insurance this season mm-hmm. I mean you know even as a financial educator there were things that I didn't know and the opportunity to work with the State Farm agents and to talk to them and State Farm has been really involved and finding out about the different insurance options available to me and my family um, has been critical and I walked away with one of my favorite tips which was Angela when she told us she places a money bank or a piggy bank in her doorway <laughs> when people walk in her house <laughs> I've been scared of my house for a place I can put my money bank <laughs> no, no. And and I just want people to know that's happening at the Rapley Flash household because I think it's brilliant. <laughs> take large bills as well. Yes, we take all forms. You're no, like we only take American U.S. Tinder. U.S. Tinder because I don't want to have to exchange anything. I'll take y'all but, yours. <laughs> but that was one of my favorite tips. And I've also learned from each of the guests that we've had this season.
1: Please stay tuned on social media for information on the Women Let's Win event series, which will take place in Chicago, Atlanta, and Charlotte this October. State Farm is throwing a vision board party and you're invited. Each event will feature networking, free cocktails, a financial panel featuring a celebrity guest, group vision boarding, and a meet and greet. You might even see us there. You better
0: see us there. And keep the conversation going on social media using that hashtag. Hashtag live colorful with those two L's at the end of colorful. Let us know how you're using what you've learned on the show to live your most colorful life. You know, we love doing this podcast and being able to give you all these gems for free each week. So please, if you got something out of these last eight episodes, make sure you leave a comment on SoundCloud or on social media. Or better yet, pay it forward by
2: telling a friend or a family member, because as we learned from State Farm agent Victoria, who we also interviewed this season, the best compliment that you can give us is a referral. So please share this podcast with everyone that you know and love.
1: Thanks to everybody who's been a part of this season of Colorful Lives thank you to State Farm for hosting us thank you to all of the wonderful guests that we have had all season long we learned so much from
0: you and thank you to everybody who's been listening and chiming in we appreciate you guys the most out of everything
2: yes and thank you to everyone who came out to see us at Essence Fest that was amazing it really has been a great season
0: and don't be afraid to use filters on those pictures if we look (laughs) a little tired (laughs) I did not look tired so feel free to no filter stay ready
1: (laughs) stay Hey <laughs> ready all the time. And uh, yeah, and thank you to the team at Loudspeaker Network for everything that you do for us. Yes, thank you, Matt, our producer, for just Woo-hoo! holding us down and bringing in us together. In the Big Baller Brand t-shirt. And Dwayne. Uh-huh. And Dwayne. And Dwayne. And Dwayne. Bye,
0: team. See you next season. See you guys next season. Well, Bye. I'll see y'all like in a week or so probably. <laughs> but- <laughs>
1: Colorful Lives, presented by State Farm, is a Loudspeakers Studios production. Our executive producers are Matt Raz and Chris Murrow. The show is engineered and edited by Dwayne Crawford. For more information on Colorful Lives and other Loudspeakers podcasts, follow at LSN Podcast on Twitter or Loudspeakers Network on Instagram.
2: Schmoney team out.